1 Samuel chapter 25. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was curlish and evil in his doings and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came and spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But, when, but the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. There they were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. Verse 
And it was so, as she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath required me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David. If I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be his navel. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all the days, all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee, and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out, as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid, and David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to me. And blessed, and blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in every deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me. Surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted thy person. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. 
Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass, about ten days after, that the Lord smote Nabal, that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him, to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were also both of them his wives. But Saul had given Michael his daughter, David's wife, to Faulty, the son of Laish, which was of Galam. And uh, in connection with this chapter, uh, Brother Bill has titled his exhortation, A Woman of Good Understanding. And uh, let's give our attention to Brother Bill. Good morning. This article was written in 1898. 1898. By a brother who had a good understanding, I uh, appreciate his works that have been reprinted by various brethren, and one was by Brother Jim Stanton. Thank you, John. I hope someday I can say thank you, Brother John. But for the time being, thank you, John. Kind of intimidating, isn't it? Get a move it too far away. Can you hear me all right? sisters in Christ and we realize that the women have a role to play and this woman was a good example to down to this day and the future time that remains until Christ returns when David was in the wilderness of Paran he heard that Nabal 
a man of great possessions, was shearing his sheep in Carmel. We read the chapter. Accordingly, he sent out ten young men with a message of peace and a request to Nabal for food. But Nabal gave a contemptuous reply. Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? When this was communicated to David, he was very indignant and started with about 400 men, everyone girded with his sword to slay Nabal and all the males pertaining to him. When it speaks of those who pisseth against the wall, is talking about the males. They are the ones that can be warriors, that can fight against. And so those were slain. <clears throat> One of Nabal's servants took upon himself to communicate these facts to Abigail, Nabal's wife, <clears throat> Excuse me, who is described as a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. A woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. She was further informed by this servant that if we, when he and his fellow servants were keeping the sheep in the fields, David's men were very good to them. Whereupon Abigail, without telling Nabal, hastily took a substantial present of loaves, wine, dressed sheep, parched corn, raisins, and figs, accompanied by her servants. On meeting David, she asked him to ignore Nabal, whose conduct was equivalent to his name, which means folly, foolish person. And to put the blame on her, she concluded a very conciliatory speech by saying, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. She took it on herself. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be, or hath been, bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. <coughs> that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord. Neither that thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord hath avenged himself. For when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. That's what Abigail said to David. The response of David expressed gratitude for Abigail's intervention and concluded with these words, I have hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. From a merely human point of view, Abigail's action will be commended as discreet and be attributed solely to natural good judgment. That's what people would think. This will, by some, 
be considered sufficient for the Spirit's description of her as a woman of good understanding. But little consideration will show that it has a deeper meaning, and it does. <clears throat> Saul was at this time king of Israel, we know that. And David was a political outcast. We know what the influence of a ruler is on the thoughts and actions of his subjects. The bulk of the nation doubtless viewed David as a troubler whom Saul was justified in pursuing to death. The fact that God had, through Samuel, selected David to succeed Saul could not have been generally accepted. For we find that he reigned seven years and six months over Judah only before he acknowledged only before being acknowledged king over all Israel and Judah. Nabal's disdainful question, who is David and who is the son of Jesse, is doubtless an index of the popular view of David at this time. To this, Abigail was an exception. She had a much higher conception of David's character and prospects. She believed that the Lord would certainly make him a sure house and that he would in due time be appointed ruler over Israel. She evidently knew of God having selected him for the throne and she believed that it would come to pass and she believed that it would come to pass, period. She was therefore a woman of faith and her faith took a practical form. It led her to repudiate the conduct of her faithless husband and to beseech David to remember her when the Lord has exalted him. Her good understanding was thus founded on faith in God's declared purpose and this faith was directed toward an event which at the time seemed very improbable. Her conduct affords a practical illustration of the proverb that good understanding giveth favor. Proverbs 13 and 15. And you know, when you talk about a woman of faith, a woman of good understanding, I really think of my dear wife, Annie, who had that in her. She, she saw in the scriptures more than I was able to see. And her life was directed by this word, which we call the word of God. <clears throat> I'm not setting her up as anything because all of you sisters have a role to play and you are a helpmeet to your husbands and a strong pillar of strength for him. Understanding is a subject of frequent praise in the book of Proverbs and its use therein shows that it signifies more than knowledge. Thus, the heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. It is even superior to wisdom. For although wisdom is described as a principal thing, and the children of God are exhorted to get it, they are further admonished, admonished in these words, And with all thy getting, get understanding. It is possible to abstain 
It is possible to obtain wisdom without understanding, but not the reverse, for wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding, and in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. We gather the meaning of understanding by noting what is said concerning those who have it or are without it. Thus a young man, void of understanding, is represented as giving heed to the fair speech and flattering words of a strange woman. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter. Likewise, him that wanteth understanding is described as listening to a foolish woman who says, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. <clears throat> On the other hand, <coughs> excuse me, it is written that a man of understanding walketh uprightly. The understanding which excels wisdom is thus a practical thing. It involves the doing of what is right and the abstaining from what is wrong. It is described as a wellspring of life. Hence a man of understanding is one who doeth the will of God and as a consequence abideth forever. A wellspring of life springing up unto eternal life, the scripture says. The Apostle Paul, writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Coloss, says to them, We do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> A spiritual understanding of God's will is the apprehension of God's requirements in their spiritual aspect. There are many things in the Bible which can be viewed both in a natural and a spiritual sense, and that's very true. The natural man sees only the natural meaning. But he that is spiritual, by comparing spiritual things with spiritual, perceives a higher meaning, one pertaining to the things of the Spirit of God. Thus a natural man, when reading about a strange woman or harlot in Proverbs, sees only a picture of social evils, but the spiritual man sees the description of God's sons who depart more or less from divine truth and embrace some of the tenets or beliefs of false religion. Likewise, the natural man, in reading such statements as, the heavens declare, declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork, sees only a reference to the power of God revealed by astronomy. But he that is spiritual sees a prediction of that day when those are to shine as the brightness of the firmament or as the stars forever and ever, the saints. We will make known the righteousness of God and his handiwork in the new creation. The spiritual man knows that the glory of God has a moral as well as a physical aspect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that consequently, the day in which God, the day in which God's will is to be done on earth as in heaven will be preeminently occupied 
in declaring his glory in the highest aspect. <coughs> Other illustrations of a similar character could be given, but these must for the present suffice. To the reader who is in the habit of comparing spiritual things with spiritual, many will concur. <coughs> it, is clearly <coughs> it is clearly the duty of those who have been born after the Spirit to acquire the spiritual understanding of what the Spirit has written. Not only does it give an increased knowledge of God, but it is conducive to walking worthy of the Lord and to fruitfulness in every good work. <coughs> it was a spiritual understanding of David's position which led Abigail to address him in the way she did. Nabal simply viewed him with the eye on the natural man as the son of Jesse. But Abigail perceived him to be one on whom God had bestowed favor, one who had already been bound in the bundle of life with the Lord, the life of the Abrahamic covenant, and who would yet become ruler over Israel. Her request to be remembered by David came earlier than she expected for very shortly, the, more, the Lord smote Nabal that he died, the foolish person. And then David communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. It cannot be doubted that Abigail's appreciation of David's divinely appointed mission had much to do with his offer of marriage, and her acceptance was evidence of her willingness to share his fortunes during a time of adversity. She was in due time rewarded, for she lived to see the death of Saul and the anointing of David as king over the house of Judah. In this she is an illustration of the reward in store for that portion of the bride of David too. Who is David too? Christ, that's right. Which is filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and walks worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing. I thought that was very good. I read these things in my time that I have. Some of them really impressed me, and I thought that was just very good, what our brother had to say, written 102 years ago. Think of that. 102 years ago, and how true it is today. <coughs> privilege of 
coming together around this table to meet around this table of our Lord too. Remember his great sacrifice. David too. Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> the greater David. You know, David means beloved. David means beloved. And God said, announced Christ to Israel when he came up out of the waters of baptism, entering into the covenant with his father. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Christ had not yet <coughs> sojourned during his ministration. He was 30 years old when he began his preaching effort. And he spoke of the kingdom of God. And that should be in our minds, the kingdom of God. And that we have access to it through him. For a revelation 13 and 8 says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I told the young people in the class this morning that the earth is by design and order. That God designed it and ordered it. <clears throat> he has spoken a word and that word will not return unto him void, but it will prosper in the thing he sent it to do and accomplish that which he pleases. That's what his word will do. So his word was established when the earth was created that all these things should take place. And that in preparing the earth for the uh, habitat of man, and the animals, the birds, the fishes, creeping things, whatever, all the things we see, the vegetation, the forests, all these things were planned ahead of time, but not without complete completeness. So that when Adam and Eve sinned, God had prepared a way out of that condition through his son. Christ Jesus our Lord. He who did which we evidently can't do, <clears throat> at least I'm not able to do it, <clears throat> and that's to overcome sin in the flesh. It's a very difficult thing to deal with. We face it every day of our lives. We have we have prejudices built within us that we don't seem to be able to pull them out and cast them away. It reminds me of, of going into the waters of baptism and coming up the other side a, a, a new creature, clean. Our garments are clean, unspotted. The only thing we have is sin in the flesh. We have been forgiven of our sins, our personal sins committed sin. Christ never had committed sin. He only had 
the condition that Adam brought upon us, sinful flesh, which he got from his mother. And when we come up out of the waters of baptism, it's like, it's like we're saying, okay, we're doing this. But we got that rope around part of us, and as we come up, we're pulling part of us with us. That's what it always seemed like to me. That these things are in us, they're inherent in us, and they're hard to get rid of. But Christ overcame them. And he said that we are to walk in his steps, for he is the example that God has given us, that this is the way in which we should walk. This is the way walk ye in it, Scripture says. And so we have a struggle with that. And when I think about this man, Christ Jesus our Lord, who overcame that tendency, who did not allow that sin to show itself in him, I think it's a great and marvelous thing that he did. A great overcoming of that which... What do you think about your own self? I can only deal with myself. I can't deal with you. Only myself. And I know what a struggle I have. You know, sometimes I think, if I make it to January, I'll be 80. I can't believe I'm still fighting the things of the flesh. You know what I mean, don't you? I can't believe that I'm still fighting it. So, brothers, you just got to overcome it, not let it get the best of you. Thank God that we have one who overcame, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who hears our prayers, who offers them to him with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that's how we get forgiveness of our sins. We shouldn't, but if we do, that's where we go. So we have him to remember who who purchased for us with his own blood the gift of eternal life. We see in this bread a symbol of his broken body, and in this wine, this cup, a symbol of his shed blood. And you know, the apostles came together the first day of the week to break bread in remembrance of this man, the Son of God, our Savior.